This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hi, this is Neil from The Big Inside View. You're about to listen to Graham Hunter talking about how to break a £97 million footballer, Barcelona style. To listen to the full 35-minute episode and get all of Graham's shows, including September's socio-only Big Interview with Ledley King, go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. Well, I think we should start with what's happening in Barcelona. We'll get to the match in good time. But first of all, can you tell me the... Well, let's not presume that everybody knows exactly what's going on. Can you tell us the state of Dembele's hamstring? Uh, that's, look, that's a fair point. Um, as we speak, um, his plane has landed in Finland. That's where he's going to be operated upon... I think that, um, I mean, there are various studies um, about one had a hamstring injury is ahead of knee injuries, the number one problem for footballers, how to reduce it. Studies about, there is actually a, a Premier Club uh, joint study with UEFA, which has been running for years and years now, whereby all the clubs, all the physios, all the doctors, all the surgeons share info about how to try and avoid this. And, and genuinely... Well, knee injuries and hamstring injuries are on the decline, which makes the Ellis problem still more rare because there's a tendon practically severed in uh, the part that links hamstring to knee. That's why it's going to be, in Barcelona's own medical judgment, between three and a half and four months before he's ready to play again, all of which depends on the success of the surgery, the success of recuperation and rehabilitation. The reason he's gone to Finland is because uh, he's going to be operated on the, by the guy who eventually helped resurrect Pep Guardiola's career. So we're talking um, 20 years ago. This guy has been an expert all that time, uh, and that's why Dembele is currently in, in Finland. You know, Dembele is a little tragedy, I suppose. I, I think most of us need to have a, a healthy sense of uh, tough luck Barcelona. For anybody who's a socio who doesn't know the great Bill McLaren, I tweeted on Saturday afternoon and I meant that They'll be dancing in the streets of Schadenfreude. Graham, can you tell us a little bit about the action that the injury resulted from, or was it something that you saw building up during the game? There was something I saw building up. That's exactly right because you looked at Dembele, who, who has watched Barcelona all his um, adult life, who has been in training long enough to know how they play, 
And it's about now, it's about pressing, it's about work. You lose the ball, you work back. Dembele not only looked hesitant throughout the game, but instantly lost the ball. He stopped running and, and kind of wandered a little bit. And you thought, either this is the most flagrant, now I'm here, I can relax, since Kleb arrived from Arsenal, or something bothering him. And when he finally sits down, after, I don't know, like less than 25 minutes, he does so having done the most minute of sprints, but he knows instantly. It's, it's, it's not even one of those flat out where you think somebody, you know, a sniper has taken out the back of his thigh. Um, in any case, for any footballer, you know the thing where they're full flight and they pull up and they hold, the hand goes to the back of the thigh and you're like, okay, we know what that is. This was him just sitting down, shaking his head, um, touching the back of his thigh and saying to the bench, I, I know I'm screwed here. Now, all through the game, it looked as if he was disinterested or unwilling to work. And I think it transpired that he was beginning to feel pain. And the, the responsibility isn't with him. But when when you you know have to draw a correlation with Gareth Bale, he forced his way out of Spurs because he wanted to go to Real Madrid. He was at loggerheads with uh, Daniel Levy, who wanted a bigger price than Madrid were willing to offer. And Bale took slightly less radical action and announced that you know he was missing the pre-season training because of you know, problems. And he arrives at, at Real Madrid and is dogged for the first two, three months by repetitive injuries because the pre-season is, is of biblical importance, is primordial. And I guess Dortmund and many fans in Germany will be saying, well, you know, Usman, you, you set your own trap there. So the incident when he, when he sits down, Neil, you would never say that he'd, he'd gone at full stretch. This was a problem which had clearly been building from the outset and given the technology that's applied these days, there are monitors that they wear all the time that assess them, that give a sort of uh, red, amber, green, this player should or shouldn't play. They're clearly not infallible. But for an injury of this magnitude, where a tendon is, is basically gone and needs to be operated on, I think it's, I, th- I still contend it's remarkable that they couldn't spot any problem before this game started. And, and I think there's a secondary theme. Maybe maybe you were about to push me on it, but when, when I saw that there was very little of the team rotated, apart from Sergio Roberto for Semedo, from what was a brutally exhausting game um, against Juventus, off the back of um, an important win, but you know the FIFA virus is supposed to be one that tires players out mentally and physically. They raise themselves for the Catalan derby, they raise themselves to play Juventus, and for whatever reason, Valverde doesn't understand that maybe this is the, the moment when Iniesta needs just some sort of a rest. Maybe Rakitic too. Certainly, Dembele should have been rested without any question and brought on, brought on as an impact sub or, or rested until the following game because Dembele had earned his place. And overall, when you saw Barcelona almost football illiterate, the passes were misplaced. The timing of moves were wrong. They were being overrun by what was an admirable and enjoyable um, pick-up performance. You knew that Valverde had got it wrong. And, and it wasn't simply about the things I've listed, the FIFA virus, the intensity of the Juventus game. It's vital that these senior players at Barcelona, the same as at Madrid, at Chelsea, Manchester United, Manchester City, they, you know, they need to feel challenged. They need to feel somebody's breathing down their neck for, for the place. And there was a perfect opportunity for Andrew Gomez to play, for Paulinho to start, for Delafeu to play up front. Okay, Semedo was rested. Maybe he's the least of the cases because he's 
in the process of proving that he's, he's keen and eager and young and hungry. But I, I, I didn't understand Valverde's logic. I think that until he started making substitutions, which turned out brilliantly for him, he, he'd simply misread the day. You mentioned the FIFA virus, just to clear that up to those unfamiliar with the terminology, that's not a real virus, listeners. It's um, the reference to the fact that Barcelona often play poorly off the back of the international breaks. Um, the Barcelona organisation is not immune to criticism. Has this been picked up on in the voracious football press in Catalonia? No, no, effectively, there's, there's so far there has been sympathy for Dembele and praise, which, you know, I'm willing to dole out to for Favardi in the way that he recognises the problems and makes the correct solutions. When Dembele goes off, it has to be Delafeo, I think. That's the obvious one. I'm not saying like for like, but Delafeo's form in the front three had merited that he got that first shot. But after that, Denis Suarez, who I have, I, I retain serious doubts about in terms of and it's such a Declan Hyde situation because he's, so, he's shown all the right aggressive, competitive spirit to turn down what he calls dozens of offers to leave the camp now so that he can prove himself. Yet when he comes on, I see him as somebody who just looks, they call it petrol for you here in the Mediterranean, he just looks a little bit of a cold fish. The technique is there. There's no doubt the technique is there. The goal he scores, albeit created brilliantly versus Roberto, is a really lovely finish. And then Paulinho comes on and runs onto the perfect messy pass. He finishes in a way that you become used to seeing him finish for Brazil. This, this Tottenham legacy of not having cut it at Tottenham needs to be put in context of the fact that he is captaining Brazil often at a time when Tite has made Brazil ultra competitive again, clinically the best side in South America. Paulinho is, is, is on that 11 without blinking, without you. He's reached the first three, four names and he's in them. And he's the best player in that Chinese league. And he's come on and he's shown that there is something he brings to this Barcelona. Albeit that he's not the most technical player. Albeit he doesn't resemble Verratti, who was the guy in front of him in the queue in the summer. So the organisation, the fact that Dembele's been picked, these haven't been focused on in the media here simply because, one, he auto-corrected. And I think he does, Valverde, does need kudos for that too. There is a story about Dennis saying, I turned half the world down to stay here and prove myself. And lo and behold, there's a goal, give me another chance. And Paulinho, who caused, you know, people to tear their hair out here, Catalan purists who, like me, believe in the Guardiola Croix philosophy, have been, unlike me, unwilling to see anything positive in Paulinho. And therefore, that's caught the focus. But they scraped through. They absolutely scraped through. And given the context of what went on the rest of the weekend, it would have been a really, really heavy penalty to drop those points in. Valverde sold us a dummy because on Friday, looking ahead to the Saturday game, he was like, this isn't just about Hidafi. This is a week of nine points. It's crucial that we come up with nine from nine. He wasn't simply looking at the Hidafi thing. And therefore, the obvious conclusion to draw was that Abar at home was a place where it might be hard to break Abar down. That's, that's Tuesday night at the camp now. Ten o'clock kickoff. Small crowd. Stubborn Basque side. He'll defend for the lives. It looked as if that was the game where Iniesta's ability to carve open chances, Dembele's pace, might have, might have led to the obvious thing of a working team, refresh, rotate, give guys chances to say to Rakitic Iniesta, your, your, your place isn't automatically safe. Have a hard-working display at Hitafe, get your points, and take the craftsmen back fresh to the camp now on Tuesday night. He didn't, and who am I to tell Valverde? But the purpose of this 
podcast, I think, is to give an inside view, to look further than the headlines. And, and I think that, albeit you pointed out that it hasn't been the focus of the Catalan media, it, I think it should be ours as, as objective critics, um, constructive critics, if you like. If I've already got it wrong, and then the autocorrection deserves us to tip, tip our, our respective hats to To hear the full show, including Graham's analysis of a rather startling set two between Edison Cavani and Neymar, head to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. Socios get over eight hours of bonus content every month, including an exclusive big interview. In September, we had Ledley King, and coming up in October, we have Robbie Keane. Don't miss it. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.